Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, February 28th edition of the pod. Jake, the month of February has come and gone. It's in the books. We're never going to hear from it again. Your thoughts? Uh, You know, it was a good February. February is always a good month because it's my birthday month. Yeah, that's true. You You had another trip around the sun. I did. I did. Always a good month. Now, that being said, I don't know if it was as great of a month, if the Anaheim Ducks can say quite the same Ooh, about the month boy. of February. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. I no. mean, I think this is one of those shows where, of course, we want to do the, the messing around, the, the, the end, the end uh, of pod extracurriculars, but there's a lot to kind of dissect here, and I think we need to just cut right to the chase. Jake, last night... I was on site. I was an on site reporter for, for our pod. Went to a Ducks game, and I got to tell you, I think I witnessed the end of the competitive portion of the season once and for all. They lose four to nothing against the Islanders, and this is, and this is building off of another important loss against the Kings on Friday. And it just feels like now, more than ever, there's just no doubt whatsoever that the Ducks will be sellers at the trade deadline yeah i mean i guess never say never who knows with how uh, streaks go but i think in terms of at least the situation going into the deadline i think this solidifies their stance i mean i put it out there this morning but in the pacific division the ducks now sit and uh let me see based upon if the uh the v- vancouver lost so this may actually swap slightly now uh vancouver is uh by points percentage the ducks are fifth now in points percentage with vancouver losing as of this morning the ducks were sixth by points percentage in the pacific division but the thing is it's not as if they have that big of an advantage um they have a one point lead on the canucks and they are tied in points now the sharks are uh what is that uh five points back with two games in hand and i mean granted the ducks are only two points back of the oilers and only three points back of the Golden Golden Knights. But here's the issue. Both those teams have two games in hand. And this was the issue for the Ducks this whole time. Right. When everyone was talking about points or points and where the Ducks are at by points and standings and all that sort of stuff, we kept harping on points percentage, points percentage, points percentage. Because eventually those teams are going to make up those games. Yep. And Calgary's been on an absolute tear in those games that they're making up. And I imagine that Vegas is probably going to win one or two of those games that they have in, in hand, making that go from a three point lead to a five point lead. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the Oilers. They're probably going to win one or two of those games. Also making it go from a two point lead to a four point lead. And that that's right. kind of the game the ducks are in right now. And, and so, and, and so I think yeah. kind of the, the bigger issue here isn't necessarily the standings because I think if you look at the standings, you talk yourself into being like, well, they're still in the race because they're, I mean, overall in terms of the, uh, they're two points out of a wild card spot. But the bigger issue is how they've played and not just right. in these last two games. I don't think focusing just on the Islanders game and the Kings game necessarily puts enough of a focus on how poor this, this team has played. Um, and I, they really, ever since coming off of the all-star break, I mean, actually dating back even before that, they haven't like really had a fantastic all around game from every single person on the ice, including goaltending, mind you, that that's what I'm throwing in there since probably what the Tampa game or the Boston game, right? Because the entire, the entire Eastern coast, East coast road trip, 
Ducks were god-awful at 5-on-5. Got dominated. Lost the uh, shot battle almost every game. Were bailed out by fantastic goaltending. Come back from the All-Star break. Seattle game. Ducks play amazing at 5-on-5. Get let down by a poor outing from John Gibson. And you can maybe uh, sharpen the pencil and say maybe he couldn't be at fault for some of those goals. But at the end of the day, some of the the higher-end goaltenders make those saves. And they don't allow that many goals when their team is uh, playing that well in front of them. And same thing with the the Sharks game. That game shouldn't have gone to overtime. Goaltending wasn't amazing there either. And, and so they just, they really, and all the other games, they've been bad at 5-on-5. Five five. They've been the worst, worst of the two teams at 5-on-5. Five five. They haven't done anything on the power play. They've been poor on the penalty kill. And, and so kind of all this is to summarize is that basically for the past, I don't know, since the start of the new year, since January, they haven't really put strung together a whole lot of competitive good games. And to me, that is more so the issue than looking at the standings. I just, we got to back up. Okay. I just want to know what sharpen the pencil means in the context of what you said. I, I'm you, still I'm still reeling from that. Sharp, sharpen the pencils means looking at every goal against, and you could sharpen the pencil and be like, well, there was a cross-ice pass uh, on a okay. two-on-one, and so maybe XG doesn't do a good enough job of accounting for the pre-shot mo- okay. movement. Okay, wow, that that threw me for a loop there. Sharpen the pencil is a very big like engineering term. Okay, okay, I, I figured there had to be something there. It's something that we'll use if like you. So, for instance, in my my line of work, there are certain things that I can just look at and say yes, that will work. But sometimes you maybe need to sharpen the pencil and do <laughs> get into the nitty gritty and run the calculations on it. And of course, it it always checks out because you know kind of how things work and with enough experience, you know that. Right. So. It's basically going in and and kind of dissecting something. Okay. Okay. I get. I I've been. I'm being told this is not a term. I guess. I don't know. Something yeah. People use it. My work. Yeah. Well, I mean, just so everyone knows, Jake has a lot of isms. He has a I lot. Of, he has a lot of sayings that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you were. I mean, I remember when we started at Anaheim calling in our in our Slack. You would, or not even our Slack, just our texts. Your favorite one was column A, column B. A little bit of column A and column B. Yeah, that that's that's one of your go tos. Just okay. j- just kind of these like nothing statements, really. You're, you're uh, two two sides of every coin. You're well. You're the originator. Yes and no. You're the originator of yes and no. No, which, that was you. Nope, that was no, you. That was no, that was you. I I will I will dig as far back as I need to. God, we are we are off the rails already. Just, I had a I had a very succinct point, very yeah, you well did. thought you out. You did, but you had to drop you had to drop the the sharpen the pencil, and that just again that just kind of broke something inside of me. Um, <laughs> okay, well let's 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 gently bring the attention back. Uh, I sound like a meditation, you know, like the guided meditation. Bring the attention back to the body. Back to the breath. Um, okay, so I agree with you. The Ducks have been playing very poorly since the All-Star break, and John Gibson has not been the John Gibson we saw before that. And when you put those two things together, when the five-on-five play is middling to bad, when the special teams play is bad, and the goaltending is not there, except maybe when Anthony Stolarz is in net, um, that's pretty much a recipe for bottoming out. And I understand what you were saying about how well, you could, if you squint hard enough, if you if you sharpen the pencil, if you if you click the pen a couple times, you know you can. The, the ducks are just a couple points out of the wild card, but 
it's the games in hand, right? I mean, they have they're two points out, but everybody ahead of them has played less games. And I understand yeah. that that's going to even out at some point, but it's just it's it's all just kind of a facade. Like the the, the competitiveness of this team to make the playoffs right now is, I think that this ship has sailed. I mean, right now, if you look at Money Puck, they are at a twelve point six percent probability of making the playoffs. Like that has been going down and down and down. And sure, they could go on a run. Like this this can all change, but. It's like you said, the way that they are playing, right? If they were if they were playing this great five on five game, if they were out playing teams, if if their special teams were humming, and they just weren't getting the bounces, or you know the the, the goaltending was solely the issue, then you can talk yourself into saying yes, they they have time. I mean that that's what they're all saying, right? Is there's plenty of hockey left to be played, but I. I really do think that this is going to be really challenging for them to, to make the playoffs. Well, and, 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 here's and, the- and also, just to round out the point, mm-hmm. I know that we're big on, you know, don't overread into one game, into a small sample, but these are critical games for the Ducks. Like, they are playing the, the, the Islanders game. It's a, it's a bad team that's, coming, that's on a back-to-back. L.A., it's a divisional rival. Like, these are huge games, and they've had some of their most lackluster performances of the season in those games, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, um, just 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 not generating any offense, and so that's that's also a red flag. Yeah, I- I- exactly. I mean, I-, I think I brought this up last episode, but I-, I think it's very important to circle back to when looking at this team is the fact of was that another one? Did I just do it without even thinking about it? Probably, whatever. I'm looking uh, at I'm looking at our chat. Oh, our chat. Yeah, sniff the glue. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that was a good. I didn't know that was, I, that yeah. was one. I know. Uh, I saw that one and chuckled. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ducks are seventeen and twenty-one in regulation. Yeah, like this is a team that has lost more than they've won with games that go to uh, that end at uh, after sixty minutes. Yep. And the thing is, if you are now not in the playoffs and you have to make up games and make up point, or sorry, not make up games, make up points to to teams ahead of you, you can't afford to have three point games necessarily, especially when you're going to be playing those teams. You need yeah. to be winning by winning games in regulation. And the Ducks aren't a team that have done that continually. I mean, they have uh, eight overtime wins. Or sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah. They have eight overtime or uh, shootout wins, and they have nine overtime slash shootout losses. Like, this is a team that has played to go to overtime, and we've talked about it at length on this podcast about the issues uh, with that strategy. And it's a glaring issue when you are now going to be chasing the playoffs. So I I think this all kind of goes back to your point of this is kind of it. And sure, they uh, maybe they go on a run, but but will they not? That's like, probably no, but the the poss- the probability I'm just of that happening like, is low. Yeah, like how what would you handicap that at, like pr- probability wise? Like, I would honestly just put it at their playoff percentage. Probably what 10 percent. Yeah, because that's I mean if you think about it, that's kind of what they need to make the playoffs. So yeah, um, I mean ninety one Pluty says the regulation record is exactly what this team is. I mean I, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll build on this, but I think that you brought up the point of playing for overtime and playing for standings points and kind of just milking the system to give the appearance that you're in the playoff race. In the games where the Ducks need a win, need a resounding win, it just doesn't seem like they know how to do that. It doesn't seem like they know how to just go for a win and not play this kind of 
finagling, get a lead, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, scratch out the point, and then we're going to play Isaac Lindstrom and Jakob Silverberg for two minutes at three-on-three, right? Like It just seems like when they have to actually play five-on-five playoff-style hockey, they kind of falter. They they, they wilt a little bit. And we're, I think we're just kind of free-flowing right now. But one thing that I think is a major issue in that is not only strategy, but the Dallas Aikens, I don't think, has a good enough understanding of his roster on what to do to put guys together. And I think finally in the Islanders game, he finally realized, hey, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, Sonny Milano, these yeah. are my three best forwards. Maybe I should put them on the ice together. Uh-huh. And they went on the ice. And now, granted... Some people may say, well, they had two goals against them in that third period. Well, the Ducks had to be wide open because they were down to nothing. Yeah. And I mean, that's it, that, that, that's how I think the third goal or fourth goal happened. It the was fourth a, goal. It was a turnover down low. Oh, right? that was the third. The fourth goal was the breakaway goal. Right. It's a situation where you're pressing so hard. And yeah, like that's the that's the potential downside of playing that way. Yeah. But that's what you got to do to come back. There's no way around it. And that line was extremely dangerous last night when they were put together. Yeah. And I mean, they were one of the few that did anything. Yeah. And, and so kind of going back to my original kind of point here is that within that Kings game, for instance, the the third period of that game, I mean, first off, let's let's just talk, I guess, about the lines that he decided to use. The fact that he, I mean, we've talked about this last episode, but the fact that he broke up uh, Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano, two of the yeah. most dynamic duos that they've had on the team. And I think within that Kings game, for instance, it was extremely um, easy to spot that Sonny Milano was missing a guy like Trevor Zegers with him mm-hmm. because there were a couple times on a bu- some zone entries where he was able to enter the zone with speed and he just kind of almost felt like he was trying to do it by himself because he didn't have a good read for the guy who was with him. Right. Or and, the guy or the guy that's with him just doesn't have the offensive instincts to keep up with the Trevor Zegers. I mean, this is something we were talking about in our Patreon episode, but looking at the tracking data from Corey Schneider, one of the reasons that Zegras and Milano work so well together is because Zegras is an ace at carrying the puck in with control, and Milano is an ace at getting control back if they lose it down low or recovering mm-hmm. uh, the puck and forechecking. Like he's he is Sonny Milano is what I think Dallas Aikens thinks Nick Delorier is. Like he's an actual puck hound. Oh um, yeah, and um, so yeah, yeah, and so and so. But the funny thing is that against the Islanders, when they were on the ice together, you could immediately see it was back. Like it, yeah. like I never left. Yeah, just instantly instant and, chemistry and able to put stuff together. And when Dallas Aikens had broken them up originally, and I think we talked about this last week, but I was trying to give it a little bit of uh, time to say, okay, well, you know, spreading the wealth, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you see what has happened since that time and you see how well they play as soon as they're put back together, I think maybe I'm going to have to give you your flowers here oh, and say thank that you, you were right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, of course. No yeah. problem. I mean, do you want to just jump into each game a little bit individually right now sure. as we kind of move forward? So the first game of the week was probably the only good game of this week in well, the, the San Jose Sharks game. Well, yes. I mean, they, they, they've, I think they played well in that game. They also played the Sharks. Yes. Who are, you know, I mean, they've, they're out of it. They're completely out of it. And I mean, they're, they're in a, they're in a they're, very similar situation to the Ducks, honestly. And they're missing Eric Carlson, right? Like, the, it's not... It's not exactly. A, I mean, to be fair, the Islanders aren't that much better, but I think that it's it's one of those things where, yeah, they played well. They it was an exciting game back and forth, um, but I don't know how much I'm willing 
how much credit I'm willing to give them. Because if you are to if you are to make the argument that this is a team that should make the playoffs, that's in the running, then beating a team that's beneath you in the standings, that's well out of it, that should just be expected, right? That should yep. just be kind of okay. You did your job. Yep. And and I think also the issue here is that even though they played well, uh, relatively about fifty percent expected goals, four percentage, so it was pretty even, honestly, mm-hmm. which is playing well for the Ducks right now. They still, I mean, the offense was only able to generate 1.82 expected goals for. Yep. Like, they're not able to generate enough offense here. And that was kind of my whole issue with the way that the lines were constructed, was it really kind of, it it didn't use guys to their best abilities. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my biggest critique of the lineups when that was happening. And, and I think that it really came to fruition over over this game, over this stretch. And so, I mean, the Ducks were able to win in a shootout. What is it? Trevor Zegers is like 10 for 12 or something like that in shootouts. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Like, yeah. it, it, it's so insane. I mean, he was able to – I think he set up a goal uh, with a shot by – he took a shot and Raquel was able to pop yep. the rebound. And he basically took that same shot on the, on the shootout where he kind of almost takes it with a half stride, shoots it from like behind his back foot. And it almost looks like he's trying to catch the goalie off guard with it. And so he was able to catch Reimer uh, with the first, uh, the Raquel goal by just booted a rebound because he wasn't able to really control it. And then in the shootout, he was able to place it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, no, the the way that he approaches the net is pretty, un- it's almost unstoppable for a goalie. The way that mm-hmm. he releases the puck, like you said, he kind of disguises his release. And he, I don't know what kind of curve he uses. I feel like I should know that. But yeah, that's a very you thing. I feel like I should know this now. It's now it's really. I think it's a. I think it's a P ninety two. But anyway, he the way he releases, there's no snap to it. It's almost like he's just like the the puck is glued to his stick until he releases. And so for the for the goalie, there's just no time to react because when a guy's loading up to snap a shot, you can read the angle of the blade, and you just don't have that luxury with Zegras. So. And he's coming in from that that angle, so you have to respect the option of going to the backhand, right? Like he's just putting goalies in a terrible position, um, and it's fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, in that game, we saw Raquel, Henrik, and Zegers play really well together, um, and maybe you could say that that was a factor against the Islanders. Is no Adam Henrik, but I mean, even still, you're you're playing a team that's below you in the standings, so. There, there were things to like in that game against San Jose. Like it, it was kind of refreshing to watch a Ducks game where there was offense and there was kind of some action back and forth. But in the bigger picture, the cold calculating take is that this is just kind of what you expected from them. And maybe even it wasn't that great of a showing, all things considered. Yeah. And I mean, here's the issue. This is, this is kind of going to be the story, I think, for the Ducks the rest of the way. Special teams. I think even in games where they are in it from a five-on-five perspective, their special teams are really doing them in. And it's funny, in this game, in the Sharks game, kind of focusing on that one, they were just allowing... And I mean, the PK, I think, is... It's tough because it just kind of is what it is. They're utilizing poor players on the PK, and they leave up just so much uh, soft space in the ice for players to work their way into... And they almost overlied, over, uh, overload specific sides of the ice, leaving essentially release valves for the other team with those pressures. And I think it's a major issue for this team. And I think the big issue is that they're just they're using. It's something I brought up on Twitter yesterday. Uh oh. Um, during the game, and it was specific to a Max Comtois zone exit. 
<laughs> in the first period where okay. he had a little uh, backhand pass off the boards in the D zone that sprung Trevor Zegras, and it was low. Oh, it yeah. sprung Trevor Zegras and eventually led to ozone time, eventually led to a penalty, so a power play. Yeah, four. yeah. Um, really, really nice play. And it really got me thinking of, that's just such a smart defensive play, and it's a high-skilled play. And it kind of goes back to something I always bring up and, and think about is that just because a guy is high skilled doesn't mean he's bad defensively. Yeah. You need skill in the defensive zone to be able to make plays to chip it out and get get the puck out and be able to make smart plays. You need skill to be able to do that. If you're just a grinder, that doesn't necessarily make you a, a good penalty killer. I feel yeah, like but... a lot of people associate just being being a guy that hits means you're going to be a good penalty killer. Yeah, but and Jake... you need to be so you need to be a really really smart, understand your positioning, being able to read the play. These are things that are are very difficult to do and something that there should be guys like a Troy Terry should be given a shot on in the D zone as a result of it. Yes, go on. But Jake I mean, how could you're ignoring the fact that Isaac Lundestrom is Samuel Paulson uh, 2.0? Yeah, and that he's untouchable. So that that's it for the PK, kind of the PK frustration. <laughs> the power play, like in this game, the Sharks were really pressuring high, and as a result of that, it kind of exposed the Ducks' faults here because the Ducks really focus on trying to get that point shot. It seems a lot. Yeah, and it's just a low percentage play. Well, so. And- Th- th- this is something that we've seen with the power play every year of Aikens is that when it starts going poorly, they revert to, oh, well, we just need to shoot the puck more. We just need to shoot it from everywhere, and that's how we're going to break the funk. The problem is, for one, that's a low-probability way of playing, right? You're not really creating high-probability chan- high, high chances, but also you're not fix- like you're not fixing the issue that's plaguing your power play. You're just doing something else, and that thing has a lower expected value, right? So you're actually kind of making the problem worse. And we've seen that every year with Aikens where things will go well for a period of time, they dry up. And instead of trying to kind of work them out and adjust them and go and be even better, maybe on the other side, they just kind of revert to this caveman power play where it's just point shots front of the net. I mean, it's, it's really looking like, you know, NHL 03, out there with that power play and that's yeah. it's just not what you want it's really not what you want especially and, and and the ducks have good enough players to have a really great power play like we've yeah. seen it well and here's the thing with the sharks they were really playing a high pressure uh high pressure game on their penalty kill you need mm-hmm. quick puck movement to be able to break that down you can't just rely on these point shots and hope for a rebound because they're going to be pressuring and they're going to be getting into lanes you need to move the puck quick and open up passing lanes to make cross-size feeds if they're going to be moving and they're going to be pressuring high you know what? If they pressure high, that leaves the middle of the ice open to make cross ice passes and seam passes to the bumper. And so you need that puck movement. And it feels like that is not being preached enough by the the Ducks coaching staff to these uh, power plays. And, and I mean, here's the thing. All situations, because at the end of the day, we look at five on five a lot, right? Yeah. But expected goals in all situations will tell you a lot more about kind of who should have won and who should have lost that game. Individual right. game perspective, because it factors in power play and penalty kill. Mm-hmm. San Jose, 4.07 expected goals against 2.744 uh, for expected goals for uh, wait, wait, LA. Hold on. hold on. So the Ducks had four? No, San Jose. Okay. Okay. San Jose had 4.07 expected goals. The Ducks had 2.74 against LA, 3.8 for the Kings, 2.18 for the Ducks against well, the well, Islanders. Yeah. Sorry, two, go ahead. 2.64 for the Islanders, 1.47 for the Ducks. These I are mean, at, that's. 
That that line, that the one you just said, that's the worst one to me. 1.47 in a big game. Again, like you need this. You need a, like it it just shows how far the Ducks and they, have fallen. And they had power play opportunities. Well, the thing is is that yeah, they're losing like every scale right now is tilted against them because they're bleeding chances against on the penalty kill, so they're losing that. They're not generating offense in the power play, so they're losing that. And then they're not really generating a ton of five on five. And even if they're okay, it's just you're already leaving so much value on the well, table on the special yeah. teams that it's just really hard to win games when you suck at almost everything. Well, that's the thing. That Sharks game, they were 50% basically at five on five. Yeah. But in, if you look at the global expected goals for in uh, in all situations, 40%. Yeah. And that just kind of goes to show where the, where these games have gone and why they have suffered. And then nobody has really talked about, except for probably you and me, about how poor the power play has been. And it's yeah. been this bad since November. It's been bad and, for a while. I mean, it really since the beginning of the season, since since the early stretch, it's it's been poor. Um, and you don't hear about that at all. Um, I think there's there's a couple things to note that I just kind of want to throw out there. Uh, so we've we've been really hard on the Delorier grant carrick line yep they've had really good numbers yep give them their flowers i'm giving them their flowers and uh i'm also eating crow at the same time so i i think that they've been good and i think that maybe some of the some of the the jokes we've made about all the hype they're getting on the broadcast maybe we need to dial that back no 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 the the broad here's the thing the broadcast is highlighting them, but for the incorrect reasons. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I've heard you say this so many times, but I don't I know, think you've said it on the podcast. I actually <laughs> haven't. The, the fourth line, when they are successful, it's because mm-hmm. they're jumping into good spaces. They're getting into good defensive positions. They're, if they're on the forecheck and someone's applying pressure, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a heavy hit. If they're just applying pressure and forcing a guy to move the puck, someone's in a good position to jump that lane and uh, uh, take that puck off the boards and keep it in the offensive zone. When they are successful, it's not because they're playing a physical game. It's because they're reading the play better. And for instance, going back to, I think it was, was it the Sharks game? I think it was the Sharks game. That was the game where there was the two on O for yep. that was the uh, first goal for game. Grant and Carrick. And no one mentioned this from the broadcast, but Nick Delorier made a great play in the neutral zone, getting back and picking off the pass mm-hmm. and then turning up and passing it to Carrick. I think it was Carrick or Grant, one of the two, to put him in on a two on O. And that's a fantastic play that you can highlight for this guy that we've been hard on and getting himself into a great defensive position. No physical play at all. Yeah. There was nothing physical about that. Picks off the pass makes a uh, and then makes a pass to break him in. That's the most impactful play I think Nick DeLore has made since I've watched him as a duck. <laughs> wow. I mean, would you disagree? A secondary assist. No, I agree. I agree. And but that that just shows how important those types of plays are. And and it's just so that's kind well, of going okay. back to the I, point I don't of, know about impactful. I'll just say it's it's his most like cerebral play that he's made. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to kind of my point is they've been good, but they've been good because of that. And I think that's the important distinction to make here is understanding what's actually made them successful of late. What's made them good in this last little stretch as compared to just saying it's because they're physical. Right. Because that, that really, it doesn't engross. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, it sells them short. Doesn't actually give them credit for what they're doing. And you're teaching fans kind of incorrect analysis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're 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 shortchanging. Everybody. Oh, ninety-one Plutie said Delorier's most impressive play was the hat trick that shut the da- shut down the world. 
Yeah. Yeah. God, that that's crazy to think that about. That was the second to last game for the Ducks pre, uh, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, and then another thing I wanted to talk about is that they are missing Josh Manson, and that doesn't help. Ooh, are you sure about uh, So, I brought this up. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've talked we talked about this yesterday. Uh-huh. The days are blending together. Uh-huh. We talked about this yesterday, and I understand that Shattenkirk and Fowler have been good together, but Shattenkirk is not as good as Manson this season. So, even if the like the the scales are not tilted against the Ducks when those two are out have been out there, I still don't know if that's better than having a better player out there. Well, I think the reason why I say it's not as bad is sure. Maybe there's a downgrade in that pairing because of Shaddenkirk. Yeah. But I think the down, the step down from Manson to having a Mahura Benoit pairing, isn't that significant And that pairing. I think they had, they had a rough night against the Islanders. Yeah. But that pairing, that pairing has been good overall since being United. And so the fact that they have a much more serviceable third pairing makes it less harmful, I guess, having Shattenkirk with Fowler. And so it kind of, I think, nets itself out in some ways. Yeah, yeah, but it's just something to note. It's just for uh, to be to be completists. Sure. We have sure. to point it out. Um, but yeah, so outside of that, I mean, I guess the the big picture from all of this to me is just that I don't really see a world where the Ducks are gonna. I don't. I don't think they're extending anybody. Let me. So here's something I've been pondering. Right. I think this is an interesting question. Are we topic. too harsh on Hampus Lindholm? No. By the way, uh, yeah, Josh Mahura, Simon Benoit, 56.2 expected goals, 4 percentage. So they've, yeah. been, they've been damn good together. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's I mean, kind of the, it's, it's 40, kind of the point. 46 minutes of 5-on-5 time. but Yeah, that's kind of the point. But, oh, speaking of sample size, this is exactly what I was going for with, mm-hmm. with my transition and topic. Mm-hmm. Not something I wrote down at all, but I, I think it's an important thing. The Ducks play has slid, obviously, as we've talked about. They played a what? The Ducks play has slid. Okay. Okay. I was like, okay. As, as we as we discussed, especially since essentially this year, mm-hmm. what's been the difference between now and when the Ducks were actually playing good hockey at five on five? I mean, I think one thing that they've really struggled to do as of late is that they've really cashed in off off the rush to start the year or you know when things were going well they were a really great transition team and it seems like in the games that we've seen in the last few weeks they've really struggled to kind of get out of their zone and get going and get odd man rushes or just get speed and and get clean zone entries and i think that that's if you're going to ask me one thing that's probably the biggest one. They've kind of reverted into mm-hmm. this really boring style. Yep. And it just seems like they're unable to get like they're it's not even so there's gonna be games where you can't play off the rush. Like it's it's a hard style to to get every night because part of it is depending on your D zone pressure and how well you can get the puck back. So that's part of it. But you should also be able to, if you're a good rush team, you should also be good at, at setting up zone entries with control. And in the last few games, I mean, especially this recent slide, they've really seemed to struggle at figuring out how to beat the other team's neutral zone forecheck. Because, I mean, they, they wouldn't shut up about it on Friday, but the one three one forecheck for the Kings, their neutral zone forecheck, it was just – the Ducks just didn't seem to have a plan for that. And if they did have a plan, it was a bad one. 
So, I mean, if you're so, if you really want to ask me what has changed, it's that coaching has gotten worse. Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I put it on Twitter yesterday during the game, but it it feels like they've lost their identity. Yeah, their identity, as you said, was a rush team, mm-hmm. and it feels like anytime you hear anyone talk, whether it's from the team, whether it's from the broadcast crew, who are informed by the team because they are team employees, mm-hmm. um, they always talk about needing to play a simpler game. Right. Get it. Get pucks in deep. All, all all that typical hockey jargon. But that's not the Ducks' identity when they were successful. If you go back to that point streak that they had, to that, that winning streak that they had, what made them successful was getting in on the rush. And I think that's why you're and seeing have, these... And having a not terrible power play also helped. Yeah. But you're, you're seeing that when they don't have rush opportunities and they're chipping it in, they're not able to generate the same level of offense. And that's well, why you see the flatlining at times because they're not able to be able to utilize a forecheck and get the puck and then get it into hard areas of the ice. What they do is they rely upon point shots. And I think that's maybe another issue is that when they are in the zone, it seems like there's an over-reliance of get the puck to the point and then defender throws it on net and sees what's happened, sees what happens. And we've talked about it, but I mean, there are more and more people in this world. Daryl Belfry is one of them who said it, but essentially they count point shots as turnovers essentially. Right. That's what it is. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a great point. I don't think... I mean, they've been more point shot heavy as of late. But on the whole, on the season, they've been more of a, of a rush team. They've mm-hmm. been more of a team that's good at getting those high danger looks. The thing is, yeah. when you're a rush team, teams can take that away over time. And it's up True. to you to figure out how to get it, you know, how to either manufacture it or kind of get like quasi rushes where maybe it's not a pure on man rush, but it's a situation where you're able to uh, isolate a side of the ice, get a little bit of a, of a a man advantage on that side and then get your zone entry and then work off of the cycle. You got to have all of those things to be a good team. Um, And it just, and again, like I think you made some good points there that when they have had that stripped away from them, instead of maybe trying to improve as a cycle team and getting better at, at finding the more valuable shots when they're in the zone, like I've said before, they've kind of reverted into this caveman style. And what's funny is when I was looking at the tracking data, they're real. They're the Ducks are one of the worst teams in the league at recovering loose pucks, at pressuring the opposition on, on the forecheck. They are not good at that. So think about this: they've had their style maybe taken away from them, or they've had their style harder to get to, which is off the rush. And now they're trying to do something that they're actually really bad at. Like you, you see how this is not going to work in the long run. Mm-hmm. It, it's like let, let's try something that we know we suck at, uh, which is forechecking. It's funny because during the season you've heard Dallas Aiken say that we're at our best when we're forechecking, blah blah. Um, and maybe that's true, but the data doesn't seem to agree. So, yeah, to me the common thread for all of this, and I've been saying it, and I may or may not have been screaming something to the effect of it at Honda Center last night, but it's coaching. I mean, this yeah. is all coaching. Everything we're talking about here is coaching. There's someone, there is someone who is being paid a lot of money with the staff to figure these problems out and get solutions. And I, I, I don't believe that the Ducks have such poor talent that they can't figure these things out. And I'm trying to find the quote. I think it was maybe by T- Elliot Tford and OC Register, but I can't read an OC Register article. I guess I hit my monthly limit. Um, 
Same. But, I'm, I'm maxed out on like all devices. It's it's the worst. Yeah, but and I can't really find it from uh, Stevens. But it was something along the lines of from Eakins that um, Aikens. Aikens, whatever. Um, there's no actual confirmation anymore. Which way? Which way it's there going. is. Sure. There is sure. Um, but regardless, it was something along, along the lines of teams are now doing a better job of shutting down Zegris, and we need to figure out ways around that. Yeah, and I'm I know like, what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's like that's your job, and it, and also it's like if that's what teams are doing, maybe don't take away essentially one of the best assets that he's had next to him all season in Sonny Milano. Right. Maybe you uh, find better ways to optimize that. Find mm-hmm. adding Troy Terry to that, and to his credit, he did that. We need to give him credit for that. I mean, in the third period, he did we'll that. See if, we'll see if it <laughs> continues. I mean, that's that's kind of like fixing the flaw of the Death Star after it's already blown up. Right? I mean, yeah. It's, we'll, I'm not going to give you too much credit for that. We'll, we'll see if he then implements that. I mean, that's going to be the real fascinating thing if he implements that next game. I, I am willing to bet a lot of money that the lineup tomorrow will be very similar to the ones we've been seeing. Zegris on Silverberg and uh, Lundstrom. Like maybe maybe Zegris and Milano are back together, but it's not going to be this radical departure. I mean, I would love to be wrong, by the way. Would love to be wrong, yeah. but I... Like, what has history shown us? That Dallas Higgins doesn't seem to understand what what how to fix issues of his own team. Yeah, so. true, true. I, uh, I mean, I, I would much rather watch the game tomorrow with good lines, but yeah, agreed. I, I'm just not banking on it. Yeah. Um. Let's also there was uh the other thing that came out today was Pat Verbeek. Yeah. Yeah. Pierre LeBron had his interview with him. Yeah, talking out I, of both sides of his mouth a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really anything of that importance. Just says basically saying that he's been a part of both uh, buying and selling uh, in the past, and so there's only one quote that matters. Go for it. Well, I don't have it like right in front of me, but it's that he's either going to try to extend these guys, he's going to attempt to extend them. Here it is. I think going into this, I'm looking at it like we can make the playoffs. We can miss the playoffs. At the end of the day, there's no guarantee I can get those three free agents backs or free agents back. I'm going to attempt to sign them. If it doesn't happen, I just can't let them walk out the door for free. I guess. I guess that that is that is the illuminating thing, is that we know that if there's no extension, there's no possibility that they're just hanging around and everything that kind of we've been told from Elliot Friedman from various different sources that that is that the ducks don't want to go long term right they they would rather go higher AAV shorter term which is the correct move it's smart yeah like if you're going to sign Lindholm to a contract I personally let's just say you had to sign him because I know you and I probably both agree with age and things like no. that and cap allocations of what you could get in return. You, don't you and do I it. both agree that it's better to probably uh, not sign him. But let's just say you had to. Mm-hmm. What would you give him term-wise? So let's say that I'm a contending team maybe. Sure. And I'm a team that wants his services. Term-wise, I mean, I would not want to go longer than five to six years, right? I would probably not want to go longer than four. Well, I just don't think four would ever happen. No, but I'm just saying in an ideal world where you're trying to I get mean, him in on an a higher, ideal world, high, would, high, higher AAV, lower term. In an ideal world, I would give him three to four because that's realistically, those are the seasons that I'm still going to be getting prime value. Yep. So, yeah, if you if you want to talk like just what I think I would do, regardless of just the mark and all that, yeah, three probably. Ba- basically, if the Ducks were to sign him to a deal, what ter- what would the term have to be in order for you to be like, okay, that was a good deal? 
Probably three to four years. Yeah, three to four years, which he would never do. And an AAV, that's... I, I care less about that. The AAV does not matter as much yeah. if you can get him at three or four years. I would be fine with nine, honestly, yeah. if they got him sure. to three to four. But I just don't feel like that's, that's gonna not going to happen. Because he can get so much more elsewhere. He could get seven on the open market easy. Yeah, so and why you, would, mean, you mean years? Yeah, seven yeah. years. seven. I mean, probably seven by seven easily, if not mm-hmm. seven times eight. Right, exactly. And, and so why would you leave that mu- leave that money on the table? Yeah. And that job security and everything that comes with it. So Yeah, um, and, and there was also an article about – there was a, some comments from Lindholm, but – not really anything there. No, very, just, very just that he's letting his agent do it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm not really taking anything away from that. But I think that, that the Verbeek comments were interesting just in that there's there's no possibility that they well, just play out the season. I mean, we are – what do you think is the point of no return? For what? Where you need an answer, is he signing or not? I mean, we're two weeks away, right? Three. Three? Oh, yeah. I was the one who said three yesterday. Uh, I think give it a week, probably. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen. It's got to be happen this week. I mean, I think you start taking calls on him now. I mean, you probably already are. True. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> like, I don't think these are mutually exclusive things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I think that if Paverbeek is looking at this, he says, he's he said in that article that I, you know, wants to turn this thing around quickly. And so maybe that's where you talk yourself into re-signing uh, a Hampus Lindholm is that you, you want a guy who's going to be good as this team is improving quickly. But I just really think that it's going to hamstring them. Lindholm has not been great this year. There's, of course, bounce-back potential. He's probably still got two to four more good years left. But it's just I have a hard time seeing Pat Verbeek and just the opportunity he has of really – really being in control of this team's destiny, locking himself into this tough contract. Like there's just, there's no chance, right. That, that, that Hampus Lindholm is going to take a lower term deal. I also, I also think that I feel like the value for Lindholm is going to be really high on the trade market. Well, I mean, we haven't talked about Toronto yet and the Jake Muzzin situation. True. But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but that, so, like, that, that's lined up perfectly for, add for another going. Add another Lindholm destination um, yeah, to, to like, the list. An absolutely perfect Lindholm destination because they need a left-hand shot D. Potentially, they would just be looking for a like, rental because of Muzzin being signed, and let that's me, perfect l- l- for let them. Me, let me pose you this question. What's more valuable to the Ducks longer term? Another couple of years, two to four years, we can call it, of prime Hampus Lindholm? Uh, which we don't really exactly know what that will look like, but we can assume, you know, above replacement level defenseman or what they could get back for him uh, at what this the, trade deadline. What they could get back for him. I think so too. I mean, because, you know, Toronto's talking this big game about how basically none of their good prospects are are available, but you would imagine that they're going to be able to get a decent prospect. They're going to be able to get picks. And those are all things that they can either use to go out and get more pieces or they can just continue to stockpile and improve. Yep. Like so. the, the ducks could be absolutely loaded for next year. Like the, this is a, a fantastic opportunity for them mm-hmm. and an opportunity for Verbeek to not only just make a big impact on this team, make his impact on this team. Exactly. I mean, you know, and, cause, cause this team's still, I mean, it's still the same team that started the season. Yeah. So at a certain point you want to see the Verbeek influence on the team. Yep, exactly. And so I think that, 
I, I think when you look at the the deals that will be on the table, I think it would be hard to say no. And Lindholm hasn't been that great this year. No, I mean he's been bad. He's yeah. been bad this season. Yeah, uh, like like just full stop. He's been bad. And there's there's been parts of his game that have been slightly better. And maybe playing with Jamie Drysdale has hurt his numbers. And I do think that if you put him on a Toronto team that's contending and at this great system with a real NHL coach that, you know, he's going to look better, but there's also the possibility that he won't, that this is who he is, right? We don't, we don't fully know these, these things can happen really fast. He's got a lot of miles on him. He's had a lot of injuries. So I just like, this is just such an easy fold, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going in with this hand, this hand is yeah. home hand. Well, and also if you really do like him, sign him in the off season. Yeah, like exactly. Like that's something we don't talk about enough. Like, if he has a house here and if he likes it here enough, tell him we're trade. I mean, I've said this a bunch. More teams should do this when you're not in the in, in a playoff window right now or a contending window. Don't be afraid to trade guys and just say, "Hey, we know you have a house here. We know you like it here. We could offer you this amount on July one, or like kind of do and, it and, in a." And, in and a you could also you. you could also say that it benefits you if you get to test free agent like. Us trading you and then trying to bring you back is going to help your leverage because you're going to have other offers now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're going to get a better contract by doing this because we have you over a barrel right now. Yep. Uh, until until you actually hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so this is getting brought up in our Twitch chat, so we should probably just talk about it since we've been meaning to. But <laughs> Bob Murray is back in the NHL. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you had to resign because the materials of an, four months ago uh, had to had to resign because the materials contained in a private or sorry in a third party private investigation were so bad that he had to just step down and wouldn't you know it he's already back working like nothing ever happened he's a pro scout for the calgary flames he's at ducks games he's in the ducks press box like Everything we know about this guy is that he was a terrible human to a lot, a lot of people over many years. And I just think it's a bad look for the Flames. I think it's a bad look for the NHL, to be quite honest. I don't think it's on the same level as the Chicago situation, what have you. But I just think that there are people out there who were greatly affected by this, who had to uh, take, I think, to take the courageous step of actually speaking up. Yeah, and I just am very curious how they feel about the fact that this guy is now back already. And I'm not saying that he should be out of the NHL forever. Uh, it's not like this is mm-hmm. you know, there's no like sentence here. No, sec- it, second second chances are are something that, be, that can happen, but they have to be earned, and they have to have enough time for the person to be able to do the work. And I'm sorry, four months is not enough time. That that's y- not, and that's not enough time either for the victims. Because mm-hmm. there are, yes, they are victims uh, of him because it was uh, verbal abuse, toxic yeah. behavior. And for those people that were victims of that to potentially be in the press box and be yeah. confronted with him four months after he was forced to resign. Yeah. That, that is, that, that's despicable. I and, don't and, really, there's no other way to put it. It's despicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I, I just think that, you know, everyone has made this about, oh, it was the alcohol and. Blame it on the alcohol. Blame it on the booze. Look, I think that being a drunk is only so much of the explanation here, right? Uh, you, you, like, you, if people are that upset that they're submitting complaints to an anonymous hotline, 
it can't just be about the fact that you were showing up to work drunk. It's got to be much more than that. And so there's this whole, you know, line of thinking out there. I mean, even from prominent insiders like Ellie Freeman, it's like, oh, well, he's getting help now, so it's okay. We're going to wash our hands of this. And it's like, no, you you think that he's just this new person in four months because he stopped drinking for a little bit? Like, maybe, I mean, I'm sure he's probably gone through some really tough moments, right? I mean, the guy lost his job, lost the job mm-hmm. of his dreams, uh, the job he's had for, I mean, over 15 years, right? Like that's, that's a pretty big penalty, but at the same time, it's just bad optics. It, it's really just bad so, optics. Four months is not a long time. Like let me just said. read this. This came from, is from the, the Scott Burnside article, which I, I implore everyone to go read the end of it maybe gets into a little bit of what you were talking about. I think the, the beginning of it's extremely good and it brings up a lot of important information from, uh, from from essentially uh, what back when he was forced to resign. Mm-hmm. And it said, so here, I'm just going to straight up read it. The resignation was the result of an investigation by an outside law firm hired by the Ducks into abusive and tox behavior by Murray within the Ducks organization. The investigation was prompted by calls to an anonymous hotline set up by the NHL to give employees of the league and its member clubs at all a safe forum for reporting incidents of abuse or improper behavior it did not take long for the outside law firm to find enough evidence to know that murray could no longer remain yeah in his post like think about that and, and the reason why i'm reading this is just uh just so it's a everyone can kind of almost get a refresher in some ways of exactly what had happened mm-hmm. um and so one anonymous uh duck source told daily face-offs frank saravalli working for bob murray was pure daily mental warfare the abuse was endless. Crazy text messages to players and staff berating them for the performance and threats of job security happened with regularity. These weren't one-time slip-ups or mistakes. These were regular explosions and eruptions. Murray, The Murray resignation was a high-profile illustration that the program was an important instrument in creating a stable and inviting workplace around the game. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman alluded to the program again during his media address at All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas, saying calls were still coming in. Both the Ducks and the league released statements at the time of Murray's resignation, reiterating that no form of abusive behavior was going to be tolerated at any level within the league. Um, and here's the statement from the Samuelis. I I don't really care that much about it because they're not the people employing him anymore. Uh, this comes from the NHL, though. Uh, there's no excuse and there's no place in our league for that type of behavior that was recently reported through the NHL hotline. We thank the Ducks organization for its prompt and appropriate response to the hotline reports. The league and its clubs are committed to a safe and welcoming workplace across the NHL and will continue to take any and all action necessary to achieve this goal. Um, and Scott Burnside brought up these two questions that I want to read because I think that they are the most pertinent questions here. And maybe I have one more after it, but for the people who took the significant step to call the NHL's hotline about what had become an oppressive situation in Anaheim with regular outbursts by Murray, does this invalidate their experiences if Murray can simply sign on with another NHL club a few months down the road, even if in a lesser role? And for people working for other teams or for the league, does Murray's rapid return to NHL employment blunt the impact of the hotline and what it's meant to achieve in creating and maintaining a safe and stable work environment across the game? Because here's the thing. My thoughts, I honestly don't care about Murray in this situation. I don't. And maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's whatever. I hope he gets help because it sounds like he needs it. And I hope that he's on that way to recovery and that would be great for him if he does it. But my thoughts in this situation go out to the victims of this. 
and the people that took that courageous step to be able to reach out to the hotline to put a stop to this and something that should have been stopped years ago. And if those same people are in that press box after doing that anonymously, taking that courageous step and having to be confronted with that same person four months later, that's not okay by me. I would be so pissed. Just like, like I what would, the hell? <laughs> not only that, but like if you're like that could legitimately cause like mental health breakdowns. Yeah. Like yeah. this is not a minor thing. And so it's just what message does this send about that, right? I, I get there's the message about the old boys club, all that different type of stuff. Well, here's, well, what kind of message does this send from the league where you have this high profile resignation? Someone stepped down from a GM job and no one is even questioning the fact that he's back in the press box of yeah. the place that he had to resign from. Yeah, I mean, I just think that um, here's what I don't understand because I, I am 100% in agreement with you. Why are people so desperately obsessed with defending Bob Murray on this. Like when I, when I tweeted that, you know, this is a bad look for the flames. I woke up the next day to a shitstorm in my replies of just people saying, Oh, you don't believe in second chances, this and that. It's like all the cancel culture warriors. And, uh, and same for me when I put opponents. out a tweet. Of, and when I put out a tweet about thinking about the victims and I hope they're okay. Well, that's and the thing is, is that people legitimately care more about, fighting against what they perceive to be cancel culture than they do acknowledging the fact that of just acknowledging the facts of the situation because that's really what it is 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 people are people just want to win this point that you're being too harsh that you're the one that that is just you know soft or, or whatever doesn't believe in second chances that move on when in reality like you said we don't know how many people were affected and by the sounds of it it was many and based on what we've heard I mean, this was some really bad shit. Um, and so it's just, like I said in the very beginning, it's a terrible look. It raises questions for sure about this whole program, about this whole thing. And I mean, I think the people who look wor the worst in all of it are the Calgary Flames because they they decided to hire him, right? I mean, the NHL looks pretty bad too. That but is, I, I, I think the NHL looks worse here. Well, I no, I I don't think the NHL looks worse because I think they look bad. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Calgary Flames look the worst because they they decided to do this. They they had the option of not hiring Bob Murray, and they chose to hire him and bring this True. on. Fair, right? Like like you could have not done this. Like like, do you really need Bob Murray as a pro scout? Like I know that people are. Are, are gonna sing his praises for for the the runs of success but uh first off the the last few years don't really speak well to his scouting ability but also like do you really need him right now when when you're one of the best mm -hmm. teams in the league and clearly you don't have an issue with scouting like it just reeks of personal favor uh old boys club and i think the flames look the worst and the but the nhl is not a distant second yeah completely so. Yep. That, that's it, all uh, That's all I've got to say about it. Yeah. I mean, like I've said, my thoughts go out to all the victims in the situation, the, the people that have had their lives adversely affected by him. And I hope that they've gotten help. I hope that they're doing okay. And I hope none of them are in yeah. kind of a mental breakdown because of seeing this guy again. Yeah. And I think to, to the, I don't know if you already addressed this, but to the notion that this is just how it was, right? That this is just old school, how it used to be. Guess what? <laughs> I mean, the world used to have a lot of 
really messed up things and they don't happen anymore, right? At a certain point, things change. We realize that things are not okay and we move on from them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like <laughs> there's so many examples from history that you can say, yeah, we don't do that anymore. Uh, and so I just think saying that, well, this is just how it was and blah, blah. And assuming, like, that, and assuming that within four months, he's going to have changed. And also, by the way, uh, you know, I understand that Murray is old school and that this is how it was for him, but he was doing all this like in recent history when it definitely wasn't okay. So he can just, he can just, yep. you know. Yep. I, I think you and I both got, got our points out there. A lot yep. off the chest. Feel better. Yep. Feel better now. <laughs> There you go. And also, no, I some people just gonna throw this out there. I don't have a personal vendetta for uh for Murray. Some people on in Twitter thought I had some personal yeah. vendetta for yeah, Murray. Yeah, how how dare you just point to kind of the facts here and yeah. say, you know, it must mean that you have a vendetta. Um nope. but again, I'm just curious why these people are so desperate, desperate to protect this man. Like <laughs> like it's just it's so at odds with what we know and what has happened. Yep. All right. Want to get some questions? Sure. Well, let's get some questions. So uh, we're going to hit Discord first. Oh, I, I did want to briefly ask you about something. So Eric Stevens today, trade tears. Do we need to have this talk? Look, I'll say this very briefly. Love Eric Stevens. Have a ton of respect for him. One of the better beat writers out there. But I disagree with his article um, about the trade tiers and about mm -hmm. who is – who is, um, you know, movable, who is not. And I guess everyone knows where I'm going with this, but in the, the can't see this happening tier, along with Troy Terry, the only other player, this is the second highest tier uh, of least likely to be moved. The only other player along with Troy Terry is Isaac freaking Lundestrom. How, 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 how did we get to this point where a third line center who is not good on the penalty kill, who is not good at five on five. Uh, I mean, maybe he's okay at, at, on the penalty points, kill. Points, baby, points. But, but, but he's a member of one of the worst penalty kills in the league. Like, he can't be that great. Shorthanded so, goals. It's just like, what happened? Tied for franchise record in shorthanded goals in a season. He's above Max Contois in all of this. And I don't think Max Contois is this great, well, here's un the unmovable piece, but well, I here's, just... He Here's the issue with Max Comtois and, and where he's slated, which is maybe a change of scenery is where he was slated. Mm -hmm. If you s trade Max Comtois right now, you are selling low. Well, and yeah. It, What's it, the benefit? It, it, yeah, like there's no benefit. You Like if you're going to trade him, first off, they should have traded him over some, over last summer when his value was at For an all-time high. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, if they could have made that part of the deal, sure. Well, here's, um, here's also the thing with Max Comtois. He went from shooting 17% to 4%. Yep. End of story. Where's Lundestrom at right now? 20-something, right? Yeah. So it just goes to show that narratives in hockey are purely driven by save percentage and shooting percentage. I will yeah. die on this hill. I mean, you're right. I actually won't die on it because I'm right. I don't know how the analogy really works. Yeah. Like how you spin that one forward. but Yeah, you know. Yeah. It is what it is. I guess All I'll right. die on it because I'll never be taken off of it. I yeah, guess there that's, you go. That's what it means. Yeah, yeah. sure. All right, ready <laughs> for some questions? Uh, well, I was going to ask you this, though, uh, okay. regarding the article. So in the first tier is the don't even bother asking tier. So it's Zegris, Drysdale, and Mason McTavish. Do you agree with McTavish and Drysdale being in the same tier as Trevor Zegris? Mm, no. I feel like Zegris is in his own tier. 
Yeah. And then you have Drysdale and McTavish. I mean, I love McT- I think McTavish is going to be a good player. I would be open. I, I have some concerns. I would be open to moving him. Yeah. For, if you if you get a Jacob, I I don't. Th- I mean, honestly, this may sound bold. Everyone <laughs> has a price. Right. Exactly. Even Trevor Zegras has a price. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. That's the thing. I I don't really. I, I don't know if like this was him and his own kind of assessment of how the team views these guys. I don't know. But I don't think that outside of... Like, Zegers, to me, is the only guy, really, that I personally would not move almost under any circumstance. Almost under any circumstance. But everyone else, it's like, what's the return? What's the what's the cost? Yep. And so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Okay, let's get some questions now. So we're going to go to our Discord first, our Patreon Discord. Go to patreon.com slash crash the bond if you want to be in our Discord. It's a really good time. Uh, JJ Stone Drum says, who is your favorite flow on the team? I know Zegras and Milano are probably one and two, but Getzloff is up there too. Okay. Uh, Just shot shot at a bald king, I see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Favorite flow on the team. I think it's Zegras. Nah, it's got to be Milano. Because his is just like all like, over like it's just wild so i'm gonna yeah. go milano okay yeah. uh shaken wings asked does ryan gets left get traded i'm gonna go with no. an emphatic no no please he's made it please. clear he's made he's made it clear he doesn't want to be moved are we gonna have to keep shooting this down yeah as the trade like, deadline approaches he, he's he's made it clear on various different podcasts very different things he doesn't want to get moved um yeah. luke hang said with the leafs goaltending issues how, mm. Which I mean, Jack Campbell. I think it's his last eighteen games. He has. I was listening to a podcast today. He's at like an eight ninety, eight eighty. How realistic would a Gibson Lindholm package be, and who would the Leafs give up for it? I don't think the Leafs have what it would take to give to get. Yeah, no, Gibson, th- that's a that's a crap ton. Like that is like maybe Mitch Marner. You build you like build the package to do like Marner coming back the other way. Yeah. I mean, at a, at a minimum, Nylander has to be a part of that. But then like you also got to make the money work. So yeah, like that—that that is a massive deal with those types of implications. Not yeah. necessarily. I don't. That wouldn't be something I think at the deadline. Um, I know they're looking that's for a, goaltending. That, that, that's an off-season trade. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about it yesterday, but Anthony Stolarz makes sense for them. Anthony like Stolarz makes sense for Vegas. Yeah, he's an upgrade over a lot of goalies around well, the league. Well, Vegas is going to be out without um uh. Leonard? What? Yeah, they're gonna be. He has a torn labrum. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. So yeah, Stollers could be a, a good fit there. So I mean, there could be a lot of teams looking. Um, hey, Odiflo said, "With the Ducks eventually, uh, will the Ducks eventually sign Sonny Milano to a long-term contract?" I think they will. I mean, I yeah. I, I think that if uh, if Paverbeek is any smart, which I I believe him to be at least for right now, until proven otherwise, uh, he has to be looking at Sonny Milano and thinking. Yeah, there are some health concerns. Maybe that gives you that gives the Ducks leverage, but that is a guy that you want to keep around for a while. Yeah, JJ Stone Drums asks, uh, "Tell me if I'm overthinking this, but could it be bad long term for Zegras' relationship with the Ducks uh, if they keep having him play on the wing and not get him a good amount of minutes?" I mean, it can't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think right now it's fine. Um, he he he, he kind of strikes me as the guy who's probably unbothered by a lot of a lot of the stuff, but. That's because he's really young, and there's still kind of this notion that you know rookies have to pay their dues. But that's not might not be the the case in a couple of years. So, yep. Uh, CZO said, if the Ducks ship out Lindholm, who will Drysdale get paired with? 
Ooh. Um, Fowler? Yeah, I'd love to see that. Benoit? I, Fowler has, I mean, we've said this before. Fowler has uh, always, has for the last like three or four years, made all of his partners better. Yeah. And yeah. Put, put, him with, out, put him with Fowler. Yeah. Put him with Fowler. Um, all right. We got one from Lewis in here, but I'm going to save that. Because, okay. as you can guess, it's about a city. So, we're going to oh, go God. to Twitch next. So, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube.com or YouTube.com slash Crash Pond, yes, we're on YouTube, or your favorite podcast services, you can join us live every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific time uh, at twitch.tv slash Crash Pond, where you can uh, help support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. It helps support the show more than you can imagine. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and you can be just like Ken Pafu, who resubbed for 27 months. Wow. Thank you so much, Tony. Uh, Austin Price said, question, genuinely, what do you think DeLaurier could fetch in a trade? Third round pick, question mark? Uh, I realized I read the question mark out loud instead of just uh, whatever. Uh, I think he could be a good good to to keep on a cheap two- to three-year deal. What do you think you can fetch in a trade? Uh, yeah, in a trade, I think I don't know if the first round thing is actually possible. I don't. I just don't know that. But you know, I would I'm, guess I'm keeping my fingers crossed for it. I would guess third round pick. I'm like, gonna go second, slightly higher than what they got him for. I'm gonna go second because you know Brian Burke's gonna see that fight that he had. See that? See him uh, hitting the boards at Little Caesars Arena. <laughs> The glass, you mean? Yeah. And oh. be like, we need that on the Penguins. Please, God. Please, Brian Burke. <laughs> Your only hope. Yeah. So, uh, Dalton Keys asked, uh, what's the over-under for number of players in the Ducks organization traded by deadline? I'd said it I would two put and it a half. Two, two and a half, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's two and a half. I think that you, there's, there's definitely a question of if all of the – um, I mean, maybe it's three, maybe it's three and a half because I mean, is there a possibility of Delorier of, um, I mean, you we talked about Stolars, Carrick, um, you want, you want my bold take? Sure. Five guys are moved out. Oh, five guys. Okay. Okay. Nice little homage there to five guys. Burgers you want me fries. to list them? Sure. The three big free agents are all moved out. Uh-huh. Delorier has moved out. Uh huh. Grant's moved out. Wow. I feel like you know that GIF of Vince McMahon where he's just like going, like progressively going crazier. That's how I felt. You rattling those off. Grant yeah. though. That's uh, the one that just put me out. That's yeah. the one of me like falling back <laughs> in my chair. So I was listening. Uh, I was Uh-oh, listening. Jake's to... been listening to podcasts. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, what, what? 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 We've heard. Uh. Uh, Frank Saravelli and Scott Burnside were talking mm-hmm. and they were talking about who is going to be the next Blake Coleman. No, no, Scott, don't say it. <laughs> Scott don't Burnside say it. said, <laughs> said that Derek Grant could be that guy for a team and he has terms. Who said so they that? Have who said that? Scott Burnside. And he has term. So can't teams, see, I just, I just face palmed very, very hard. And he has term, so there's cost certainty for a team. We need to normalize understanding that Derek Grant is not a good NHLer. I don't know what in the world it's going to take. I really do not know. <laughs> but what the hell? What the? 
I mean, Frank Frank did bring up the point in response I'm, to that I'm, saying, I'm kick, what, "What's the line? Kicking, screaming, throwing up, or, or whatever." The That's response right was, now. "Does a team trust him to score because he can only do that in Anaheim?" It seems. I mean, uh, just, <laughs> just I'm I'm not even entertaining that anymore. Next, please. But the fact that they're saying that means there's probably a team that thinks that. Yeah, because there's a lot of stupid teams out there. If you're trading for Derek Grant, Remember when which you the were, Ducks have were, done twice, I believe, uh, yes, you're not smart if you're doing that. No, wait. No, I don't. I think the Ducks have only traded for him once. They've signed him twice. I mean, so they've they've signed him twice and they've traded they, for him They once. signed him once. And no, then no, they, they traded him away. They signed him once. Then they didn't re-sign him. He signed him Pittsburgh. Then they traded for him. Then they traded him to Philadelphia. And then they signed him. I'm I'm so close to just hanging up on you right now. I'm so I'm so Wait, upset. I just realized mm-hmm. Bob Murray did the trade away and signed to a contract over summer. <laughs> yeah, with Derek Grant. Yeah, because he doesn't have the stones to do that with you know an actual noteworthy player. Um, oh man, I'm Derek I'm Grant's. Just... Wait, I need to now think about this. Where do you think how? Uh, this is just the pure shit show part of the pod. Where do you think Derek Grant ranks in terms of games played as a duck? Oh, why why are we doing this? <laughs> this is so stupid. I don't know. I don't care. I truly where, don't I truly don't care about this. Where do you think he ranks? I think he ranks 27th. Let's see. I'm I'm going to find it cuz I this hit me the other day. I'm like he's been on the Ducks for like 5 years. I mean, okay, maybe 27th is a little high. Um Let's see. In his career, uh, it doesn't say on NHL.com is worthless. Hockey reference. And Lockdown Late Night wants to know what does this accomplish? Absolutely nothing. He's played 239 games of the Ducks. He can't be that high. 43rd. 43rd. 239 games as a Duck. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just. He's played. Wait, 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 wait. He played. He's played more games as a Duck. Than Chris Pronger. I'm I'm legit like about to throw up <laughs> all over my keyboard and and, and uh, microphone right now. He's played more games as a duck <laughs> than Andre Kasha. I mean that's that's not too surprising. He's played more games as a duck than Kyle Palmieri. He's played more games as a duck than Nick Bonino. I just want to point out. That someone chose this to happen. Like, someone made this happen. He's 43rd all time. I just want to point out that Bob Murray is the architect of this madness <laughs> and that people still seem to think, including the Calgary Flames, that his opinion is worth paying for. What the fuck? I just don't understand it. You're paying for this guy. You're paying, paying this is great him. content. I'm screaming. He's barely played less game. He's played. Let me see. Not barely. He's played uh, forty-one games less as a duck than Sammy Votnin. All right. Can we please move on? Like this. <laughs> I'm actually sick. I'm sick right now. Oh, I enjoyed that way too much. I know you did. I hate. I hate myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right, let's just get to it, seeing as we're in the shit show part of it, and I don't really see any more questions. If you have them, throw them in, throw them in the Twitch chat. Oh, uh, Shadow Ops Gaming says, do we see Milano Zegris Terry tomorrow? Sure. No. We can't have nice things. Okay. Not happening. Uh, Lewis said, thoughts on Vulcan Alberta? Uh, Vulcan Alberta. Uh, let's see. How do you even spell that? Vulcan. I'm not going to spell that v- V-U-L-C-A-N? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it could have been V-O-L-K-A-N. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Vul- Vulcan, Alberta. Let's see. Where Where did Lewis take this, or Lou take us this uh, to, this week? He's been letting us down lately. Yeah, yeah. This is not, I mean, let, let's get there. This is pretty remote. There's a swimming pool. Yeah, this isn't that bad. Yeah, come on. You can do better, Lewis. I got to... I feel like we should. I kind of want to add my, the spam emails I receive to this part of the segment. Would you like to read your spam email? You can. I, mean, I, 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 I want to do this bit first. Yeah, though. Th- this is like they've got a beach volleyball court. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious though. Like, they've got a sand volleyball. Like, what's what's there to do in Vulcan? Right. Lewis, you you disappointed us. City? South End, Saskatchewan. Austin Price recommends South End. Is that yeah. two words? I think it's one word. South end. South end. South end. South end. Oh, this is looking pretty tasty. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I'll get okay. there. Okay. Okay. This is. Whew. This might be like geographic center of Canada. No, it's not. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. Do you see the island that it's on? Uh, Do you see the name of the big island? Big island. Yeah. Nice and. It's, it, it's nice on and big island. South wait, there's South and Reindeer. So oh oh interesting. There is so Is the this name, the North Pole? The name of the school is in French. I wonder if this is part of the Francophone community in Saskatchewan, which is a thing, by the way. Very small. Um there's no street view here. <laughs> wow, that is that I love that. I actually that's what give me the towns with no street view. Birds confectionery. I'm really curious why oh, the why the, the school is in French. That's really gonna bother me. Does the I'm looking for reviews. Oh, um, the convenience store has a five star review. Wow. Okay. So this is actually interesting. the The majority of residents there's so, a radio station just called Radio Station. So the so the the population in I guess the majority language in 2011 was Cree. So that's kind of cool. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Are we still doing the reviews for this one? There, Birds confectionery. There, there really aren't any reviews. Okay. Yeah, we need something a little more. I guess this is almost too extreme. Yeah. Interesting. I'm looking. I'm looking for something. <laughs> Stanley Mission. Yeah. Yeah, Stanley Mission. Oh God. There's also oh. no street view though. There's a school. Baseball, baseball diamond. diamond field. <laughs> Are there reviews for the baseball diamond field? There's a There's... review of the school. Five stars. Yeah. One no review. One's a... No one's actually writing reviews though. There's a band office. Oh, the band office has reviews. Uh oh. Wait, band office? What is it? Some even people mean? three stars. Some people are really nice. Some aren't. <laughs> <laughs> there is the Amachiwashpin co-op. Which I guess is like a, a food store, a grocery store. 
Why, there's place. a black cat in the picture. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, this is a great review here from I'm Cool Guy. Five stars. And the, the comment, good store. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, I still can't get over baseball diamond field. I guess that this place is so cold and snowy that you can ski-do around. You can, like, that's how people... Wow, there's... <laughs> someone left a review for this place. Um, five stars for the co-op, the Amachawashpin. Spamowin, I don't know how to say it. Um, but his name is Jake Felix. So there you go. Oh, what are wow. The, what are Wait, the odds? Is, is is there just someone taking our names, combining them, and just doing <laughs> random reviews I mean, for this us? Was, is this, this was, the podcast Easter egg? This was written four years ago. Is this uh, the podcast Easter egg? Did someone like mimic time, go back four years, do it? I, I just don't think that's possible with all due respect. Are you sure? People can time travel. Okay. I mean, possibly. Um, Lewis, Lewis is trying to redeem himself. Okay. Legal Alberta. Legal? Wait, Le- now he's saying don't look that up. Okay. Bad city. He's, now, Yeah, this is way too close to Edmonton. I mean, it doesn't have to be so remote. I, I no. just it's it's got to have that feel. All right, does this have its feel? Does this have a beach volleyball court? I feel like that's going to be my uh, <laughs> limiting factor for a lot of these. <laughs> if it has a beach volleyball court, it can't be considered. There's a this, lot of towns in the prairies. Yeah, this this could be considered. What's it called? Are uh, we still le- legal? Legal, legal. Like just the word legal? Yeah, the town legal? of legal. Legal Alberta. Oh, there's what? the legal arena, dude. Yeah, there's we... an ice ice rink. Okay. There, okay. there's reviews also. Wow. Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by legal. I mean, this looks pretty like you know, it's not so. It's not that far out from Edmonton, but it's just tiny. They and do have the, curling places. It's in the middle of a big old field. <laughs> All the streets are just numbers. There's no yeah. like. There's no like unique names. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is. Let's see. There's a chi- there's Chinese food. Big Mouth McGee's. What is Big Mouth McGee's? Food and drink. Is this a bar? All around excellent place to stop for a meal and beer. Love that. Ooh, four out of five stars. This is from Robert Coppard, a local guide, mind you, who has two hundred and ninety nine reviews. That Damn. is a shit ton. Okay, I'm gonna read this. He, he's like the Tim Salmon of reviews. He's got, I don't know what that means. He's got uh, this picture. I don't know. Can you see? Put put it on the screen. It, that, it's on. Can, but show them the picture with the the meal. They yeah. are. They can see it. Well, you should you should like expand it almost. Okay. Because, because now that, it is. <laughs> first off, can we just admire this? Like, what is this? What I am I looking at? I guess burger? it's a burger. It's a burger with Canadian bacon. It seems, and then actual bacon. Anyway, to the review. Small town diner feel, and this is four out of five stars, by the way, with an almost home-cooked feel. My wife had the Reuben with a beef and veggie soup, and I had the legal burger, wow, creatively named, and fries with a side of gravy. My wife's Reuben was simply delicious. They pan-fried the corned beef, and the sauerkraut was well was warm as well, and the bread was fresh. Wow, I'm loving this review. Her soup was on the greasy side, but still very tasty. My burger and fries were very tasty, and there was nothing wrong with it. My only complaint was the place was very dated, and seemed to need a good cleaning. But overall, I was there for the I was there for the food, and it didn't fall short. If you are in town and need a quick meal, 
This would be the place to go. Good job, and next time, if we're passing through, we will stop by again. My favorite thing about this review is that it is just so Canadian because it's so nice and polite, and there's, for whatever reason, at, at a minimum, three exclamation points after each sentence. So, you know? Yeah, if, so if anyone's listening right now and you are in Alberta and you're driving through the middle of freaking nowhere, I would recommend stopping at Big Mouth McGee's. I'm sold off of this review. I don't know about you. Yep. Um, all right. You, you ready for the food take of the week or food takes of the week? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. That guy Bobski is the one who made the cut, and we also have a Ferdy Ducks reply saying crispy onions are an elite soup topping, specifically on broccoli, cheddar, or cheesy potato soup. That sounds good. That's a fine take. Mm-hmm. Got nothing, nothing against that. And then Ferdy Ducks just comes in and says, if you put cheese in it, technically it's not a soup. It's a dipping sauce. Really? Well, that's his opinion. Okay. I don't know. I just uh, Maybe he knows something I don't about no. what defines I, a soup. Have you, broccoli cheddar soup. Have you never had broccoli cheddar soup? I have had it, and I love it. Yeah, it's a soup. Well, apparently not, according to someone else's definition here. Nope. Calling it a soup. Ferda, sorry. Okay. Wow. Um, I also got a great spam email today. Okay. You're doing this? <laughs> Can I, I, mean, it's can just, I wait before you do this? Um, I got an email yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like feel free to to contribute your own. Uh, it was from LinkedIn, and it was say it was from one Mike Babcock looking to connect. <laughs> yeah, turns out wasn't that Mike Babcock, but at first I was very confused. Is it bad that I keep opening this email? Like, am I gonna like? Is my computer yeah. gonna just incinerate? <laughs> yes, you you are giving them all of your information right now. So this is from Aisha Gaddafi. And the email address is generalleroy17 at gmail.com. And it's just got the giant, this message seems dangerous at the top of it. Um, Hello, dear. I came across your email contact prior a private search while in need of your assistance. I am Aisha Al-Qaddafi, the only biological daughter of former president of Libya, Colonel Muammar Al-Qaddafi. I am a single mother and a widow with three children. I have investment funds worth States dollar and I need a trusted investment manager slash partner because of my current refugee status. However, I am interested in you for investment project assistance in your country. Maybe from there we can build business relationship in the nearest future. I'm willing to negotiate investment slash business profit sharing ratio with you based on the future investment earning profits. If you are willing to handle this project on my behalf, kindly reply urgent to enable me to provide you more information about the investment. Your urgent reply will be appreciated with this email address. And then there's just like another email, which is not the one that this was sent from. So what do you think, Jake? Should I should I take her up on this? 20, 27 mil? No. <laughs> I just like, what is the success rate of these emails? Like, like how many, like, like how many people actually fall for this in 2022? Yep. I don't know. Jake doesn't, doesn't care about my, 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 my life story here. It's okay. Nope. Nope. People nope. are asking me to if, if I can forward them the email in our Twitch chat. I don't know if I, I don't know if you want me to do that. Yeah. And okay. All good now. I realized something we forgot to do. Oh. I teased this slightly on Twitter and never followed up on this podcast until right wow. now. 
Uh, we have uh, we will be doing a giveaway this week. We have uh, two wow. tickets. Wow, you forgot that until now. Yeah. The the, the okay. We'll we'll what? have to do another round of this. Uh, we'll have to push this harder on Twitter now. Well, no, yeah, it's just gonna be a Twitter thing. But keep an eye out on Twitter. This that is all this is saying. Keep an eye on Twitter. The tickets will be for the game on March twenty first. Um, so keep an eye on our Twitter. There'll be something, one of those things about follow us, both of us, follow CJ, follow Crash Spawn, and then you'll be entered to, uh, win the tickets and we will select a random winner this week. So, uh, if anyone wants two tickets to the game, keep an eye on our Twitter accounts. Okay. Yeah. Who, who doesn't want free tickets? Seems like a good deal to me. It does. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we are... Almost an hour and a half in. I feel like we're we're so far in now. We might as well just keep digging. <laughs> what with what? <laughs> I don't know. Bring bring up whatever air your grievances now. We're at a we're at a point in the show where the listenership has dropped down to the elite few. I mean, so we're you, you, we're still going strong on Twitch with about as many as we've had all night. I know, but I'm saying you know with with the uh, recorded audience, so. I mean, your cat is meowing in the background. Yeah, Salem wants to. Want, Salem wants the pets. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm getting a. I'm getting a topic suggestion here that Slack is better than Teams. I don't know. That's no. I've that's never incorrect. Used teams. No, Teams is great. Teams is absolutely amazing. I hate Slack personally, but maybe that's just more of a commentary on my job than Slack itself. Oh, this is a great Salem appearance. Wow, we're getting purring into the mic. I don't know if anyone can actually pick this up right now. I hope they can all hear and it. And now she wants out. No, she's a big purr. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Slack is fine. I'm not saying Slack is that bad, but it's just... Uh... Wow, that is some serious purring. Holy moly. I think she's happy right now. She loves to purr. <laughs> well no they purr because they're happy mm-hmm. that's that's the sign no but she purrs all the time this is crash the asmr yes love that um i will say that it was cool to be back at honda center last night it was a lot of people definitely felt a little like oh this is a lot of people but it was cool um the crowd gave the team almost no energy but i think it's because the team was giving the crowd no energy Jake wants this to be to end, I think. <laughs> He's just not replying anymore. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um Ooh, I had something else to say. Oh yes. Need to bring this up. Went to Trader Joe's uh on Saturday. For the first time in months. And I just I don't know. What is the hype really about? I'm I'm not really i I'm not really seeing it. Didn't really see it. Wasn't impressed. Jake is just done. Jake is just stonewalling me. Okay. We're ending Reading the emails. Show. Reading emails. We're ending. Why? We're recording a podcast. Anyway. Um, <laughs> exactly. We're, we're ending this thing. Uh, I'm, I'm getting the boot. I'm being told that it's it's over. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, playing the, I'm playing you off. Playing the music. The Oscars. That's fine. All right, folks. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you want to help support us, if you want to help this thing keep going into the future... Uh, into the long term there's a few ways to do that which are really great will benefit you and will help keep this thing going the number one way is patreon patreon.com slash crash the pond 
If you're going to be a Ducks fan in 2022, I think that you owe it to yourself to join our Discord server. It is the absolute best. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans, and you get to talk about anytime there's any Ducks news. People are in there chatting away. It is just the very best, and it's a great positive environment. Everyone is just there to have a great time and to actually grow and bond. I mean, it's a full-on community. It's not just hockey talk. We've got a general chat. We've got the wrestling chat. We've got food channel. Hey, we've got, thank you. We've got everything in there, and I truly, like, I am F- just, I'm so, I'm so honored by the fact that it's grown into this, and it. we haven't really done anything. It's just the people in there, but now... Because of the people in there, because because of what it's become, um, I'm just so confident in telling people that you are you are really in line to benefit if you join. Also, FYI, anyone out there that's a wrestling fan that's also a Ducks fan, join. We may be getting a group together to go to uh, Dynamite that was just announced in June. Felix may go. Lewis is saying that he's only been to Trader Joe's once. That just seems impossible. Oh, I realized one other thing that I put on Twitter last week that I haven't said on the podcast also. Say it. Yes. Say it. My wife and I are having a baby. Oh wow! You you really buried the lead then. I see. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, congrats it's, to it, Jake. It's buried late into the episode, so only the realists know. I mean, you you did put it out on Twitter. I did. Like it, you you haven't exactly kept it secret. No. But yeah, little little baby boy in August. Little Jake. Yeah. yeah. This is that's exciting. I'm Thanks. I'm I'm very. I'm very excited to see how you how you fare. <laughs> oh, thanks. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, what an endorsement, huh? Okay, so anyway, one dollar a month, one freaking dollar a month. Oh yeah, I'm that's sure, where you are. I'm sure you have a dollar just in your drawer or something. Uh, use it to join the Discord. You will not. Uh, you will not regret it. Now, for five dollars a month, you get access to the server and you get access to two bonus episodes yesterday we did one it was great went really in depth on what's uh ailing the ducks right now but we also do things that are more league-wide we do rankings we pick our awards winners we pick my favorite ones that we do i think every year are picking the 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 playoff first first round winners to start the postseason that's always a blast um so you get a bit more of an unfiltered approach from us on those bonus shows and you also get a brighter a broader Ooh. range of topics also upcoming uh one of my favorite episodes is break down the trade deadline for every team in the league yeah yeah that's another that's another staple of the bonus shows so that's for five dollars a month and then for fifteen dollars a month uh you are just basically giving us a big warm hug and you get all the things that i just mentioned that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond now, other easy ways that you can support us that you know don't require you to pledge any money monthly, um, you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave us a review, we will read it on the show. Try to work in as many as many inside jokes as you can. We love hearing from you guys; those are the best. Um, so that's on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify. Really, wherever you get your podcasts, we're also on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/CrashThePond. You get the video version of the feed. Today you can see the the burger I think it was from the legal. <laughs> I'm I've already forgotten the name of the place. It but, was in legal Alberta. Yeah, but you can see all the wacky stuff. You can see the charts that Jake posts. You can see Salem in Jake's arms. Um, Salem's gonna be a big sister soon. She is. Is she ready for that responsibility? Uh, it doesn't seem like she has any knowledge that she's gonna be a big sister. She might. Cat, she, cat, cats, cats have that sixth sense. Yeah, I know. She does not. 
You you know she doesn't. Yeah, she does not act any different around Monica. Okay. Well, anyway, on that <laughs> on that note, um, what was I saying? Yeah. So find us on YouTube, youtubecom slash pond. Subscribe there. Turn on the notifications, and also find our website, CrashThePond.com. Um, we've got articles going there. You can listen to the podcast there at CrashThePond on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is the podcast. That is the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you in a week. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. <laughs>